Welcome to the Live the Experience podcast. Hi, my name is Lenny and I'm your host. Welcome back to the Live the Experience podcast. This is the first episode I'm actually releasing from Buenos Aires. I just moved here for the next five months to do my university exchange semester, but this does not change anything for this podcast. Quite the opposite. I'm pumped to get more nationalities on the show with different perspectives and experiences. I'm excited to talk to young people who are currently living their experience here in Argentina and who come from all around the world. I can't wait to hear about their personal growth and the impact they're having right now. Today's episode, though, takes place in a complete different part of the world. I sat down with Dennis, who is a good friend of mine, and we talked about his experience in Tunisia. He went on a project that aims to bridge the gap between the Arab and Western world, which is a big and pressing challenge for our generation. But not only bridging the gap between the Arab and Western world, but also the general bridging gaps between cultures, reducing hate and conflict to live in peace. I believe that the experience Dennis lived in Tunisia and then what he took back to his home country is a great example on how important openness towards a different culture is, but also how rewarding this can be. I hope you enjoyed and can take something out of it and talk to you after the episode. Dennis, welcome to the show. I'm very, very excited to have you today. Thank you so um, much. It's a pleasure. Um, Dennis and me already go a little bit back. We met around two years ago, um, working together in Isaac a bit. And when I mentioned to Dennis that I'm planning to record a podcast about unique experiences by young people who went abroad um, to get out of their comfort zone, he was very, well, you were excited about it. And you, oh you, my God, yeah. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> Oh, always um, happy to be here. And I always really, I'm, I'm really excited to have you today because I thought your story is very interesting in regarding two different things. First of all, um, getting out of your comfort zone to a new country, um, which is in North, Af North Africa. Tunisia, yeah. In Tunisia, exactly. And then um, getting this cultural exchange, with, which is, especially when we look at Europe today, um, very, very interesting and important to have this cultural exchange with those two parts of the world. Yeah. And then the second thing was that I think we can learn a lot from your leadership development um, throughout the project, but then especially what happened after your project. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Let's start with, your, with the reason you went to Tunisia. Why don't you share a little bit um, what was your motivation to go to Tunisia and what did you sign up for? Uh, so for me, it was not really that much about the country Tunisia itself. It was just about uh, bridging the gap it was because um, it all started one day I entered into the university and on a big screen, I saw an advertisement by Isaac saying uh, bridge the gap between the Western world and the Arab world. And that really spoke to me because I grew up with two cultures. Uh, I'm half German and half Iranian. So I grew up with two very different cultures. Uh, and that was really comparable to this sentence. And then it just really spoke to me. So I, uh, I signed up, I applied, got two interviews, mm. was selected as one of the few people who could go. Mm. And then I chose Tunisia as a country um, among, yeah, 
among other countries. What does Very bridging like, the gap between the uh, between the Arab and Western world mean for you? Yeah, that for me means really um, understanding the viewpoint of the other, understanding where the other comes from, understanding that there's good and bad people everywhere in the world, mm. and that some things are just different. Um, so sort such of as finding finding a common ground. Yeah. yeah, you don't even need to have a common ground. It's okay to have a different opinion on mm -hmm. a thing. Uh, it's just important that we we try to understand each other and that we also accept each other for who we are and accept that yeah. there's different cultures out there. Then arriving in Tunisia um, after very extensive preparation in the Netherlands, um, arriving in Tunisia, what were your very first impressions of the country, of the people and of mm. the culture? Was it was very hot because it was summer. Mm. <laughs> that was one impression. Coming um, from the Netherlands, that's yeah, it's like 20, 20 degrees difference yeah. uh, at that point. Um, and then just the way I was uh, invited at mm. the airport or the way I was welcomed mm. was just amazing because uh, there was three people from ISEC who were really excited to have me and they would uh, just immediately organize a SIM card for me and make sure that I know um, mm. uh, where to get money exchanged and then we would wait for another intern uh, go all together to the ep house the house for all the other exchange participants yeah. as well and then um i got to know everyone else and uh yeah we were in one house uh with 30 people from over 15 different That's nationalities crazy. when you uh, told me this for the first time i thought wow how yeah. how is it possible to live with 30 people how many nationalities like 15 plus 15 plus yeah. nationalities take us through this like you're you arrived at the house and then yeah. you see did you know before that you're going to live with so many people in no, one house no so it was a, it was a surprise yeah. for you yeah they just told me that i would live with other uh exchange participants okay but then you expect like okay five to ten maybe yeah at no, most. I, yeah i was just i was just happy okay let's get to know some new people but then when i arrived i realized okay this is the house we have five rooms two toilets one uh, shower Uh, one two, shower for 30 people yes two kitchens and then um yeah i also didn't have my own room we just tried to arrange a part of the living room mm. with uh curtains to like separate it a little bit and then i shared a room with uh, two spanish girls and a serbian um yeah for the i'm i'm interested project. i'm curious now to hear what um your very 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 first impression and feeling about this was because a lot of the times when Because this is, was definitely not your expectations of no. uh, accommodation. So if uh, expectations are not met when you go abroad and you're already in a complete new environment, new country, new people, new culture, and then on top of that, your expectations are not met, people tend to get um, annoyed, angry, or just start not appreciating the situation mm -hmm. anymore. How was that for you? Well, you have two choices. You just arrived and you can either start um, making a fuss about it and be uh, annoyed or angry or whatever, uh, or you can try to cope with the situation. Um, and then I, I obviously decided the latter uh, to try to cope with the situation um, and just accepting the way it is. Just be happy and try to get to know the people and we'll figure it out later. Yeah. Because uh, there's no reason to be like, I just arrived, so... That's a very that's a very interesting uh, mindset to have, yeah. and can only you can only win this w with this mindset, right? In my opinion, yeah. I mean, yeah. otherwise you just become miserable. And then, how did you organize living together? Yeah, as you can imagine, it's a, it was a huge chaos, and everyone yeah. arrived in the in the 
three days before or after me and then uh, all these people together different ca cultures different ideas of what does cleaning mean uh, different ideas of wh what do we cook uh, different ideas of when do we cook or when do we sleep when do we go to bed um, so there was a lot of differences on things and that was really interesting uh, to figure out because mm. uh, we realized after three days okay this doesn't work for us we need to have some kind of organization in here and mm. then one uh, fellow volunteer from Italy um, stood up and started organizing things okay. started having cleaning schedules cooking schedules uh, who cleans up after cooking and that ended up being very successful actually and then we had these couples cooking their uh, native dishes mm. uh, sharing their culture through cooking And then other people would clean up and would eat all you together. You hear this a lot, right? That sharing culture through cooking is it's it, a big it's thing. It's an yeah. awesome, awesome experience, mm -hmm. right? Because eating in general has something special. But then if you like share your culture through this, yeah. what did you cook? And from what which culture did you cook? Because you're mm -hmm. you are half German, half Iranian. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what did you cook? So actually, uh, I don't think I actually cooked a proper meal <laughs> from my culture. I did yeah. cook and I did help others, and I tried to learn how to make Ukrainian dumplings, for example. Uh -huh. Also helped uh, with the pizza dough when it was the Italians' turn, yeah. and uh, also cleaning up and. Yeah, I was cooking for different people sometimes for lunch, but not for all 30 a native dish because I don't know how to cook uh, Iranian dishes mm. that well. And especially not for this amount of people. Yeah, you prefer to be cooked for like your grandma. Well, I, I find a different way to help out. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fair. Nice. Yeah. Um, then maybe share with us how it did you had situations where you saw or oh, now here two cultures are actually colliding. And how did the house with 30 people deal with that? Yeah. Uh, so the interesting thing was that at this uh, at this project, f uh, from a volunteer perspective, we were 30, but you didn't have more than two from the same country. So you couldn't really gang up with people or uh, form a group or something like that. You were always with one or two people, and most of the time you didn't know the other people from your country. Mm. So uh, you were really out of a comfort zone in the sense that you didn't have any friends there, but you had to find your friends. And then uh, that way you really had to be open towards everyone because everyone was from a different culture and you just had to accept that yeah. and then work from there. And that really helped because we did have a lot of uh, political discussions as well sometimes, especially in the evenings when we would all be outside in the yard. And then uh, we had people from Hong Kong and China having uh, yeah. discussions or explaining uh, why there's uh, why there's maybe some conflicts between them. Mm -hmm. And the same for uh, back then was really hot. It's still going on uh, between Ukraine and Russia. We had Ukrainians mm -hmm. and Russians, and they were voicing their thoughts about the conflict that was going on. And obviously, there were also different opinions there. And sometimes it got a bit heated. But at the end of the day, they were friends and they could speak about it. Um, Why do you think that that worked out? That those two very extremes and the mm. conflicts are very heated. China and Hong Kong going back a long time already in history. Yeah. How did how do you think that they managed to at the end come together and be friends and say, we have different thoughts, but we live together? I think it's this accepting of, okay, there's good people everywhere and there's bad people everywhere. And... If I'm from China, I know there's good and bad people in Hong Kong. Mm. And I know that you're not one of the bad ones. So we can be friends and talk about our different opinions. Um, we are not the ones um, having this conflict in our uh, voluntary project mm. in Tunisia. We are part of it, but um, we can speak about it. And we can also be friends, even though we come from different backgrounds. Do you think that the other side also tried to understand the other side? Because yeah. probably... 
um, I don't know, but the the two people from Hong Kong and China was maybe one of the first time they had such a close interaction with someone from the other country. Mm, yeah. um, then the 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 effort to understand the other side yeah. that probably also adds to the fact that they can live together and because mm. there's some common understanding. Yeah. Um, so uh, actually, yeah. So to con I want I have a nice metaphor. So yeah. that's something that my dad told me. My dad told me uh, when you send a human being to uh, to the moon with a cat, those guys are going to be best friends because they're from the same planet, right? Yeah. So if True. you send a Hong Kong and a, a Chinese person to a project in Tunisia where it's super hot and they don't know about the culture, it's mm. very foreign to them. They realize that they they have more in common uh, that they might have when they would stay yeah. back home. So, two humans, two human yeah. beings, and being in a different country. And they're from a similar part of the yeah. world, so they also you could see that they became friends much faster than with some other people from other cultures. Yeah. And then also Russians and Ukrainians. I mean, they share the same language even. So they, you also see a lot of similarities next to differences, and obviously mm. there are some differences in opinions, but. Yeah. Um, Yeah, everyone figured out just to tolerate them, even if they disagree on things. Let's get a little bit back to the the slogan of your project, bridging the gap. And now we already talked, I guess, all everything we talked about that's somehow bridging a gap. Mm. But the slogan of your project is specifically meant to bridge the gap between the Western and Arab world. Mm -hmm. um, how was that set up in your country, in Tunisia? Um, what tools were you given, or how did you try to bridge the gap? Yeah, so uh, to talk about my project briefly, it was a bit disappointing and not all my mm -hmm. expectations had been fulfilled. Uh, when I arrived, I had one week of uh, getting to know the city and the country. Then I had uh, another week when I had to wait for my project to start for some reason. Then I actually went to my first day of the project and they sent me home again because they expected a girl. Um, and the, the parents were not okay with a guy spending time with their kids because it was in a kindergarten, like a summer kindergarten uh, for kids. Um, in the fourth week, we then went on a study trip throughout Tunisia. So I also yeah. couldn't join the project. And then the fifth and sixth week, I actually did a project. So I went to a different international kindergarten that was taking care of kids in summer, um, ages three to 12. And just to watch the did kids. You, did you take care of this age yeah. group before? No, not like not in the past 15 years before yeah. that, because we didn't have any kids in my family and I yeah. had no friends with little kids in their so family. So how was that to take care of such small children? They're really challenging because <laughs> they require much more attention than you think. And yeah. you, they really drain your energy as well, because you always have to be alert and see that they respect, uh, respectfully treat each other, that they don't break anything, that they don't break themselves. Um, yeah, help them uh, use the bathroom and these kind of things. Mm. Really outside of my comfort zone, but it was a lot of fun as well. I would like to talk a little bit about your personal sort of gap in between, like inside of you, mm -hmm. of the two cultures. Now you are half German, half Iranian. But when you think about um, things, the perspective we get in the Western world about the Arab world, for example, do you have a situation in during your time in Tunisia where you thought, Oh, wow, right now I'm mm -hmm. actually influenced by the perspective from the you get in the Western world. Mm -hmm. But it maybe turned out other way, like yeah. another way. Um, yeah, there was one moment that uh, comes to mind. It was not during my project, but in my, my time for myself, basically. Mm -hmm. So the time we had with other volunteers. Uh, one evening on the weekend, we decided to go to the beach all together. And so we went and it was really nice. And then at some point, of course, we wanted to go back to the house again. And then we look around and we see there was no one on the streets, basically. And that was 
really weird to us. It was like a ghost town. And then we started walking around searching for a taxi to find our way home. And then uh, we see this building with... Uh, Why was no one on the street? Oh, yeah, because it was Ramadan. So <laughs> everyone was busy eating. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so everyone was inside breaking the fast, eating together with their families. So no one working, no one outside. And then um, we walked around the blocks and we found this building with a maybe 16-year-old guy uh, standing there in front of the building with a huge gun. Mm. And he, He's the only one on the street. Yeah, he was the only person like, in front of a building with a huge gun. So... That moment, I think a little bit of that fear came to me, even though I consider myself a super open uh, person to different cultures and different things. But when you walk around a ghost town and then you see one guy with a huge rifle in his hand. Do you think you were a little bit influenced by, again, the perspective we might get in the Western world about the Arab world and then these images go through yeah. your head and then you saw, oh, it's not only in my mind, it actually is yeah. the pre the the perspective right here yeah, of course of course um i mean i would be threatened even if i see a guy here on the street with a gun normally they wear uniforms course, but I'm, yeah. i'm also a bit cautious but then when you remember all those uh the images from tv that you might get or from the news and you hear about isis and terror and then you're in a situation with uh, three other volunteers girls who i felt responsible for as well yeah um then you Yeah, you get fear and you get scared and then you don't know anymore. So what did you do then? Yeah, so I actually wanted to go away and mm -hmm. uh, take the girls and uh, find a taxi somewhere. But the one then the guy said, yeah, come closer. And then uh, the girls were like, yeah, let's go. And then it took me some time till I said, okay, let's go. But I was kind of pushed into it. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And then uh, we went there and then the guys uh, started talking to us, but we didn't understand him because it was Arabic. So he got yeah. one of his colleagues out from the building and he started speaking to us in English. And it, we realized it's a police station. So it was yeah. safe. And they actually invited us in and they had this huge table set up with food. And then they invited us to break fast together and have this experience of uh, breaking the fast. Uh, I together really with them. like I, that sounds so interesting because... Yeah. First, you have like some crazy thoughts cross your mind when yeah. you see just someone standing with a gun on the streets and like and no one else is there. But then it turns around to be such a beautiful experience yeah. where the people let you in and to break yeah. the fast with you. They gave us food. They made us try all the different Tunisian uh, specialities. It was an amazing experience after all. Yeah. But it all started from a moment of, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? Yeah. Now... Since you did not really had the chance to, oh, well, this is a good example of bridging a gap between two cultures, right? Mm -hmm. But for you personally. But now since you did not get the, a proper chance to bridge the gap during your project, during your time in Tunisia, maybe with the inhabitants of that country, mm -hmm. what happened when you came back? Yeah. What did you do in order to continue bridging the gap? Because that's also a focus of mm -hmm. this project, right? That we try to carry these experiences and thoughts yeah. back to our country of origin. Exactly. So, the, yeah, as you said already, um, I bridged the gap during my project a little bit. Um, I think I also did so with the kids here and there. And also when I didn't have a project, I walked around, tried to interact with locals, blogged about my experiences and the stories I heard for the, from them as well. So I did my efforts, but it didn't really feel like bridging the gap. But after the project, it was really interesting because Isaac organized these reintegration days um, where we had one day in a mosque with a lot of locals. Anyone could join us. And we would talk about our experiences, wear the clothes um, from our respective country where mm. we went to, 
share uh, tea, watch a prayer together, understand why and how the prayer actually works. And, and all um, of this with the students from the high school? No, no, no. That was a later experience. Ah, okay. no, this was for open for anyone who wanted to join yeah. and uh, just experience the, the life of an Arab, okay. uh, so to say. And how did you try to then carry this to the citizen of your country, yeah. to, to young people? Yeah. Uh, that was also something that organized by Isaac, uh, which was in the following two days, and you also touched upon it a bit already, yeah. uh, which was a, that we went to high schools with everyone who did the project. Uh, we went to high schools and gave them workshops about uh, social media during the Arab Spring, or I gave a workshop on the dress code uh, in the Muslim world. And yeah, we just shared our experience. And it was really interesting because there was kids from those countries also in the school. And then they helped us explain it a little mm -hmm. bit. And they taught us uh, as well. And they really helped. And then you could see bridging the gap happening in the classroom. Do you think that make it made a difference? Or do you think after you left, um, a week after you left, mm -hmm. everything was back to normal? That might as well be because mm -hmm. they're young kids. Uh, but I do think that it was worthwhile and it made them understand definitely where their fellow students come from and that there's always a different side uh, to things. So mm -hmm. I do think it had an impact. How big the impact was, we can debate about it. Yeah. But I, I do think so. I do think it becomes very clear I'm talking about impact when we start talking about your your leadership experiences mm -hmm. after the years after your your project. But now let's I, I would like to make it a little bit more general so people all around the world can understand what this meant for you. Because as I, as we said at the beginning, this new project, which is about bridging the gap between the Arab and Western world, is a specific project offered by Isaac in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. So only people from the Netherlands can actually do it. But what does it mean for you? to go abroad and to experience a new culture? What, if we make it a little bit more broader and more adapted to, to a global scale? Mm -hmm. Experiencing a different culture, uh, that's very broad indeed. Um, I think it's something that is very much needed today. Uh, Why is that? Yeah, because you see all these differences that are being fueled by things that are t told in media. The, the the fact that I was threatened by a policeman with a gun abroad because I was thinking of images of mm -hmm. terrorists, that's not okay. And I think these kind of things can be bridged and solved by exchanging cultures, and that can be done by visiting another country. And mm -hmm. that doesn't have to be a Western world, Arab world. That can be China, Hong Kong. That can be uh, US and Mexico. That can be anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's just important nowadays to really understand different cultures and accept differences and working together. And what do, do you think this experience... Yeah, the light... Dennis, would you like to turn on the light again? Ah, it, it's back. <laughs> <laughs> um, good preparation. What do you think going into go, going abroad to another country does for yourself for your own personal development uh, there's different types of going to another country you can go with a group of friends or your best friend mm. and i think it's going to be a nice experience but i don't think you get the full experience i think going abroad is much uh, better if you go by yourself or you definitely have a different experience if you go by yourself Because then you really leave everything else behind. Your friends, your family, your comfort zone, your language. Everything's left behind. And you have the chance to redefine yourself and take in another culture while being there fully exposed to it. So you don't really have 
somewhere to go to or somewhere to flee or somewhere to hide. Mm. You just have to immerse yourself in that culture and then you start comparing yourself to that and you start seeing things that you maybe don't like that much about your own culture or things that you really appreciate and vice versa for both, of course. And then you just become a much more open and bigger person, I believe, because you can take in a new culture mm. as well. And I always say that I make the cult the cultures that I experience that I really like, I try to take something from it and make it something of my own. Yeah. And that can be also the, your definition of world citizenship, if you want. Yeah. Now, thank you very much, Dennis, for this conversation about about your experience in Tunisia and what it what it did to you after coming back and what it means to go abroad. Um, I do think that um, going abroad, everyone can go abroad and that these experiences, you can have these everywhere. But I do think that it, Isaac makes it very easy for someone to get out of their comfort zone. Yeah, Because so much is organized, the projects are there and, and people are encouraged to do the extra things, um, to go alone and to experience these new cultures alone. Um, so I, I just wanted to, to say that and you took full advantage of this, uh, advantage of it. Um, and I think we're going to discover why and how yeah. in, in part two of our conversation. Yeah, and for, for everyone listening as well, if you are planning to go on a project with Isaac, uh, definitely go, but don't expect that everything will be according to your expectations yeah. and just be open and whatever happens, just try to make the best decision f for yourself to own this experience and shape it as well. Like that, that's all, that's exactly what I'm trying, the message I'm trying to deliver in this podcast mm -hmm. because um, the two guests before and now you, no one had the perfect project, but everyone came back and reflecting on this experience uh, it changed a lot for them. They they grew a lot. Mm -hmm. um, they it helped them to take other perspectives. Um, yeah. So that's exactly the message I think, which is important to get over, to get on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here, uh, and yeah, talk to you soon. I really enjoyed talking to Dennis about what it means to bridge the gap between cultures, and his examples show the beauty of of it and how rewarding this can be. The project Dennis was doing was is a unique project in the Netherlands. But at the end, every single project provided by Isaac aims to have exactly this cultural exchange that can lead to bridge the gap between cultures. So if you think that it's time for you to get out of your comfort zone and seek the challenge somewhere in the world to get to know another culture, make sure to contact your local Isaac office or just sign up on Isaac.org and let them get in touch with you. You can find the link in the show notes. And again, if you have any questions, if you have any feedback or just want to share some thoughts with me, please contact me. You can find my mail in the show notes as well. If you like this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends and family. That would mean a lot to me. Have an awesome day and talk to you next episode.